Welcome to the Fratello Podcast, brought to you by members from Fratello. We are on podcast number seven, and this is Mike Stockman. Sorry, sorry for that. <laughs> Had to do it. <laughs> hey, baseball season is over. But, oh, sorry. Uh, <laughs> go Nationals. Um, this is Mike Stockton coming to you from Frankfurt, um, mine, Germany. And I'm Robert Jan, and uh, I'm calling in from The Hague in the Netherlands. So it's been roughly a month since we had episode six, and it's good to be back. Yeah, there was some time in between. I think both of us were uh, traveling quite a bit. Um, the last one was a month ago. Yes, that's uh, October 5th. Yeah, so we'll, we'll try to be better and, and come back with... Um, more frequent episodes. We know we've got the holidays coming up, so I'm sure we'll do a special episode to talk about uh, gift guide and and some good things to to buy your watch favorites or buy your watch. Yeah, uh, yeah. I think we already had a very small gift guide online by uh, by Thomas, which was mainly about books. like accessories you wanted to to gift to someone. Mm. So ranging from five dollars to uh, yeah a few tens. Yeah. That's about uh, all both of us can afford right now after exactly. Speedmasters. So, yes. So, um, we've got a couple couple topics today that come to us from readers slash listeners. So, both of you, thank you. We'll we'll uh, announce your names when we come to the topics. Um, but we thought, um, yeah, we would kick things off with uh, what we're wearing. Uh, but before that, uh, as RJ mentioned, we were off traveling for quite a bit. And I was in the U.S. on vacation for a couple weeks. It's a nice thing when you're a European employee, you actually have a couple weeks off in terms of vacation and can go see your own country like you never could when you live there. Um, and I did that. I was all over the U.S., started on the West Coast and made my way to the Southwest and then ultimately the East Coast. And when I was in the Southwest, uh, specifically Arizona, uh, my wife and I took the opportunity to go up to Flagstaff, Arizona for better part of a day just to kind of walk around. We were coming from Sedona and it's a short drive from there. And yeah, lo and behold, when we got there, all over the old downtown were little banners on the big um on on the yeah the lights stating uh Apollo 11 anniversary and talking about the uh Flagstaff lunar legacy so i had remembered in an article we did about all the different events going on or at least many of the different events going on that Flagstaff came up and yeah Flagstaff has the Lowell Observatory which i believe my dad told me was where they discovered Pluto, which was a planet and then not a planet. Uh, but apparently between like 61 and maybe 69, uh, there were all kinds of uh, astronomers there studying the lunar surface and basically mapping it out for the Apollo mission. So I thought that was pretty cool. Uh, wow. Yeah. Yeah. So it's just, just one more example that even when you're in the 
I wouldn't call it the middle of nowhere, but you know, Flagstaff, Arizona is not exactly easily reachable for many. Um, yeah, you think about 50 years ago, the entire country was really somehow involved in this uh, monumental effort. So it's pretty cool. Yeah, cool. Yeah. Yeah, I was away myself as well. In October, we had uh, two more Speedy Tuesday events, one in New York and one in Japan. And then uh, Japan was quite tricky because we were facing the typhoon. So the event went well. It was very successful. It was super nice. Um we we ended the day with a dinner uh, in a in a restaurant in Tokyo called the Apollo. Oh wow! And yeah, that was no coincidence. But what was a coincidence is that it was on the eleventh floor. Oh, which was kind of cool. But uh, yeah, very interesting. It was a Greek restaurant um, in Tokyo. Um, very good restaurant, I have to say. And I guess for the the local. Um, Speedy Tuesday guests from Japan. I think the the Greek restaurant is a nice, uh, nice, uh, nice change. Um, but for me, it would be more logical to have some nice sushi or teppanyaki or whatever. Um, but yeah, I I, um, I did that as well, of course, uh, later on. But we yeah we were facing a typhoon in the weekend after, so we had to to fly back uh, a bit earlier than planned. And um, then I've been on visits to to Breitling, the Breitling Summit, where they presented the new uh, Avenger collection. Nice. And the new Mosquito. And uh, I've been to Hublot for two days uh, near Geneva. And I have to say it was quite um, positively surprised on, on what they do there uh, themselves and um, yeah, how it, how it works over there. Um, it's not entirely my, my type of watch, except the Big Bang is not, yeah, it's, it's not really my, my thing. I have to say the classic Fusion would be uh, my pick from Hublot, which is perhaps the most mm. boring Hublot there is. <laughs> <laughs> but for me, it's very Hublot-ish and very close to the original MDM model uh, that they did in the 80s or 1980 exactly, I think. Yeah, some other trips um, um, to Switzerland as well, um, to Oris and uh, Omega and some local events here in the Netherlands. I have to say that in, in the past, uh, the events were a bit more, I think, in the first quarter um, of the year or first half year and um, then picked up in November again in December. But now it seems to be all year round. I think the only month that is a bit quiet uh, this, uh, this year was August. Wow. And uh, the rest was all, um, yeah, quite um, packed with uh, with watch events and, and trips. Well, that's it's cool. And uh, yeah, regarding Hublot, I I I can't help but every time I see those models, um, thinking back to when I was yeah maybe a preteen going into yeah cruise ship type Caribbean ports and uh, seeing. Hublot back then, like you said, with the MDM on there, and they're really kind of a unique thing. I mean, they were they were even expensive then. I re- I mean, I remember my dad um, taking a look at one just because the rubber strap was kind of different, and yeah. yeah, they they were expensive, but quite quite different than anything else. I mean, it was kind of a wild era back then. It's an era that doesn't get a whole lot of credit, but when you think of like Hublot and Abel and some of these brands they made they're they're pretty cool looking watches for sure yeah and you can get them for nothing yeah. now yeah not, not not yeah the old hublots you can get fairly cheap if i look at chrono 24 i think you can pick them up uh relatively easy mm. um what 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 surprised me a bit was um is that uh, they really drive on limited edition so everything is a limited edition mm. and um it seems to be one of the few brands around 
where it doesn't backfire. <laughs> um, a lot of brands, they, they get uh, a lot of criticism, uh, criticism for uh, releasing uh, limited editions in a, well, a lot of limited editions uh, at some po- sometimes. Yeah. But Hublot is only uh, releasing limited editions. And uh, yeah, people seem, it seems to be the reason for people to collect them or to buy them. So, um, so a question for you, I, and I don't know if you were able to glean this from your visit or if it's if it's semi-public knowledge, but a brand like Hublot, what do, what do they make in terms of production? Do you, do you have any idea? Uh, yes, in production numbers. Um, we asked, and uh, what we've heard is that it's around 70,000 pieces per year. Okay. And they're limited editions. What type of runs do those come in? Um, I think you you have runs of of, of thirty or fifty, uh, but also twenty five, yeah. and they also told me that for uh, yeah certain clients they um, do a bespoke version. They are real Hublot collectors, and yeah, they just do a one off. Yeah, no, I I, yeah. I only bring it up because I see some of these brands that we feature on this week in watches that seem to almost do exclusively limited editions and. I know that that word still um, has a lot of uh, cachet to a lot of people, but mm-hmm. th- then I look at their overall production and I think, well, actually the brand is kind of limited anyway in their production. So it's yeah obvious, right? Yeah. I wouldn't call 70,000 limited. No, but no, yeah, no. But I, I, yeah, I get what you're saying. So, so one one other thing I'll bring up before we do what's on our wrist. I, I, I forgot about this, but... Um, Oh, so so yeah, I had, had two little uh, watch happenings when I was in Washington, D.C. at a wedding. A good friend of mine is, uh, yeah, he owns a, a great Planet Ocean, and he's kind of gotten more and more into watches. And he said, uh, he goes, you know, I got to show you what I, what I think I'm going to save up for. And I said, okay, mm-hmm. no problem. And uh, he shows me a picture, and it's a, uh, it's a, steel nautilus jumbo <laughs> i was laughing oh, good luck. i said oh i said uh, have you inquired about how uh how you're gonna get one of those and he's like nah. i'm like yeah good luck so that that was like oh at least somebody didn't send me a gmt so <laughs> that's the normal yeah. the normal case but and then his uh his, his dad was at the wedding and um his dad just ordered a uh amg c63s which is a Nice. Pretty smoking car, right? And yep. he, he had written down on a piece of paper, kind of like this little uh, scrap of paper and pen. He, he wrote down, he's like, ah, oh, he's like, Mike, I, I did this just for you. He's like, I was wondering to ask you about this. And he's like, do you know what this thing is? And I'm like, IWC engineer. And he says, yeah. He goes, what is that? And he says, you know why? And I said, no, he goes, well, cause the car I ordered and I said, ah, the clock on the, uh, on the dashboard. So yeah, he, he wanted to look into the watch, uh, because he ordered this car and I guess it has an IWC on the dashboard. So, ah, nice. Yeah. 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 That's, I think it's one of the few legitimate, um, uh, car and watch, uh, collaborations with, uh, IWC and AMG. Yeah. Um, as I said, I was at Hublot. They have a partnership with, uh, Ferrari. Yeah. Um, the strange thing is that um, I don't know if you're into Formula One, to be honest, because you're American. I don't think it's really big in America, right? Hey, it's owned by uh, 
isn't it owned by an American now or something? Like, uh, I don't know. They're, I don't know. We're going to get a race in Miami. And I, I've been to six F1 races. So there you go. Okay. Yeah. It will be next year in the Netherlands. So you should be here then. Oh, nice. <laughs> yeah, we are back in uh, in the Netherlands with uh, Formula One. But anyhow, um, Hublot has this, uh, this, this collab with Ferrari. The funny thing is that Leclerc, one of the Ferrari drivers, mm-hmm. he's wearing Richard Mille. <laughs> so the fact that um, a watch brand supports or sponsors a, a, a team formula one team doesn't mean necessarily that the drivers also have to wear that watch it's like a separate but i think contract yeah but i but, but i do believe see it's different i think uh the uh, lewis hamilton and uh bottas they wear um IWC's. iwc watches yeah yeah because yeah. i mean uh well shoot even in the standings in f1 right the driver and the constructor it's a very separate thing isn't it yeah and yeah quite, quite often the two don't uh, well i've seen it happen where the two don't necessarily align like you get a a constructor that doesn't have a driver that won the championship so yeah it it wouldn't wouldn't surprise me and i guess uh, ferrari well i mean they license licensing is a big part of their game right so yeah, I think so. I think so. Yeah. Also funny, Oris, they used to support uh, Williams, but uh, oh, they're yeah. out. Yeah. And um, what I also saw is that um, um, Tag Heuer is uh, uh, supporting Red Bull team. And of course, I'm a bit pro Red Bull because of the Max Verstappen, the Formula One driver. Mm-hmm. And um, so he, he just released a, a, a third edition of a Tag Heuer, like uh, a Max Verstappen edition. It's like an F1, and, right? Uh, yeah, it's based on the F1, so it's uh, yeah, it's quite a it's quartz and it's 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 very affordable. They were also a bit in the lower end of uh, of things, I think, to keep it affordable and accessible for a lot of uh, Formula One fans that are not particularly watch fans. Um, but if you see Max Verstappen on his private uh, pictures or on Instagram, or if you Google a bit, he's always wearing <laughs> Daytonas and Royal Oak Offshores. So, yeah, I think something is going wrong there with the sponsorship. Uh, yeah. Well. It shows a bit where, where their loyalty is, basically. It's, uh, I think it's a bad thing for, uh, for brands to have this type of um, contract. Yeah, I agree with you. But So, speaking of, um, you know, celebrities and what's on their wrist, what do you, what do you – uh, <laughs> nice <laughs> and actually it's an appropriate question because i know what you're gonna say so <laughs> <laughs> well today i'm wearing my uh, omega globemaster in setna gold um i posted it today on my instagram as well it's uh, we are recording on uh, november 7th and um it was a watch that i uh i, I haven't been wearing in the last few weeks, but it's actually one of my favorite watches. It's uh, I, I did a long write-up on Fratello at some point. I will put it in the show notes uh, why I like it so much. But it's basically because uh, it reminds me of the the Pipan Constellation from the 50s and 60s. And um, yeah, the Globemaster is just a, a, a modern watch. If I wear, I have a few constellations. I think a six or seven. That's more uh, than a few. <laughs> Yeah. Okay. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> um, if I if I wear a, a vintage constellation, a pie pan, and I have it on my wrist, it's it's quite small. It's like thirty five millimeter, so it feels like my grandfather's watch, and one of them actually is. Um, but yeah, this one is Globemaster. I think it gives me a bit of the same sensation. I think that it 
gave my grandfather when he purchased his uh, his gold constellation. And um, yeah, that's that's what I like. I think that it's a bit of family tradition is in there, but I also like the design of the pie pan. And um, I think it's just a cool watch. Um, I don't know if you were there in 2015. They did... um, Omega did the uh, introduction of the Globemaster. Yeah, I was I was uh, smitten by it right away, and um, um, I got mine in 2017. And uh, yeah, I re- I'm really fond of it. I really like it. I like the version that I have, the the Setna Gold one, and um, the other one I really like is the the, the steel and gold uh, Setna Gold uh, bezel and crown in a steel case with a blue dial. I think that's on a leather strap. I think that's a very neat uh, neat variation on the watch as well. For me personally, I think a a constellation always needs a bit of gold. It, it, it has all, always been the case in the past. And uh, I still believe even with the current lineup of constellations, it's not entirely my uh, my taste, but um, I prefer them in, in uh, bicolor to, uh, or in full gold. But all steel, I find them a bit... Um, dull or, or flat but but i think yeah the globemaster is a is a neat version of the of the constellation it's like a sub sub collection of the of the constellation and um, it's in 39 millimeter you also have a 41 millimeter with an annual calendar um, they did a new one this year that we also reviewed on uh, on fratello it's also super nice but i feel that 39 is a yeah a better size so yeah, that's the that's the watch I'm wearing, and it's actually is one of the few watches that I I wear so much in, in general. Um, not in the last few weeks because we had these Speedy Tuesday events, then I mainly bring a Speedmaster. I think it's one of these few watches that I completely worn out a strap. That's cool. <laughs> that that I really really needed a new strap because the old one was just worn out, and um, yeah, that that shows that I I'm quite fond of it, and I wear it a lot despite the fact that it's gold. I still use it more or less as a daily watch. That's what it's made for, right? True. And um, yeah, I'm, I'm not I'm not working on cars on or in a garden or something anyway. <laughs> so uh, yeah, it, it, gold is safe with me. Yeah, that's uh, regarding your watch. I remember when it was released and. I mean, I think with that bezel, for for those who don't know the history of it, think about you know a date just or or something like that. And funny, I I kind of like the the Globemaster better in some ways, but I do agree with you. It needs some gold on it, so it uh, it just looks a little bit too austere with uh, with all steel. But but yeah. what a good looking watch. Yeah. I think and. So. Yeah, like you, I mean, I, I wore, so by the way, on that two-week trip to the U.S., I wore my, I think I wore my Gold Speedmaster every day, but maybe two two days, maybe three days, but um, I really wore the heck out of it. And I must admit, I have added some desk diving-esque scratches to my, uh, to my clasp, <laughs> so it is no yeah. longer virginal, but... It's okay. It's awesome. Yeah. I have to say, I, I, I wear my Gold Speedmaster uh, quite quite a lot as well. And I, I brought it to uh, to New York and I brought it to uh, Japan as well. Um, and it, yeah, I, I added, like you, I added a, a, quite a interesting scratch on the, on the clasp um, while being at the Breitling Summit. <laughs> but... but um, yeah, I, to be honest, uh, yeah, it's a pity, but it happens. But the case is very fresh still. It's it's. I don't have any scratches or dinks on the case. 
and um, it's only the clasp that that yeah you you lean on your wrist basically exactly. if you if you're doing some work on a computer and uh, that's perhaps where it's scratched i don't exactly know um but yeah to be honest i i don't care it adds a yeah, character I mean, to the watch you've owned it from from news so you know everything that's happened to it is is under you yeah so it's cool yeah Exactly. Yeah, so on my wrist is actually a watch that I am quickly wearing through the strap as well, but that's my uh, bronze Oris Big Crown Pointer date. So the, well, what was the 80th anniversary and with a green dial, but I did the uh, swap to the kind of oxblood maroon dial that was introduced on the steel version. So... I actually thought about it and I did talk about this briefly on a podcast, the one with Daniel, but I've not talked to you about it. And yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm a real, but nobody listened. Nobody listened to that podcast so we can just repeat it. Yeah. Alone in our world drinking beer. But um, yeah, I I looked down at this watch and I, I mean, in, in whatever form, I just think it's a great looking watch. And I think it's one that, you know, I wore it to work, but I've worn it with jeans. I've worn it with whatever. And it really is a good sort of one watch for, for someone. And, and I think, I think actually Oris is one of those brands that sells a lot of one watch watches to people. Um, but this, but this watch, I'm, I'm totally pleased with it. Um, I, I don't know. Is, is, is that so? Do they sell a, a, a lot of, one Oris is one Oris to a person, I, yeah. because what what I see with brands like uh, Bob Maché uh, or Longines, for example, I see there I see people that that buy one Longines or one Bob Maché, and then when they buy another watch, it's from another brand. Then they st- step up to Omega or IWC or Breitling or Rolex. Um, you'll hardly see people who have like two or more new Longines watches or Beaumarchais watches. But with Oris, I think there are quite some people that have a 65 and a big crown. Yeah, maybe, um, th- maybe I didn't say that right. Um, like I was sitting next to my colleague today and he was wearing a uh, Nomos, one of the Tangentes, or, or I, th- I think that was it. And he wears that every day. And I, I looked down at my wrist and I looked at my watch and I thought, yeah, that's a one watch. That's an so so. I guess my point is for for people maybe who wouldn't buy another watch. I think Oris offers mm-hmm. a lot of watches that fit as a one watch. Yeah, that's, that's true. kind of that's what true. I mean. Yeah, yeah. And but no, yeah. I'm I'm. But Oris Oris is also an interesting brand. If you if you are planning to to buy just one watch and you buy an Oris. It's for me. It's a typical brand that gets you interested yeah. in. That will start to get you interested in in in, in watches and collecting watches. Point. So it's a very it's a very tricky brand to buy as an only watch. <laughs> yeah, it is. I mean, they they put a lot of detail in their watch, and I think it makes you, like you yeah. said, kind of study it more. And then you notice other watches with similar details, and it might drag you into something. And the fact that they're mechanical, I mean, really opens up a can of worms for people. But yeah, I, yeah. I'm. Anyhow, I I really like this watch and I'm really happy despite um, my general aversion to to making changes to a watch with with the dial switch. I really like it. I think it works perfectly. And 
Yeah, I think you showed a picture on uh, on your Instagram, or you put it on the Fratello Instagram. It looks quite quite cool. The red and the and the bronze, it, it goes together quite well. And um, yeah, yeah it looks I get neat. A lot, uh, um, still get a lot of unsolicited. Hey, uh, how do I do that without buying two watches? Type questions. So yeah, yeah, I can imagine. It, it, it's a cool combination, and I like I like bronze watches. To be honest, um, I don't. Let me think. No, I don't own one, but um, I tried a couple also for reviews, like Tudor and and Oris, and um, uh, at some point we had a Pinion in in bronze. I think Bert uh, bought it or got it at some point. Um, I think I tried on a Panerai in bronze. I think it's a mm. really neat material for for a watch it's very nice uh it, it gains patina if you want to get rid of it you 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 can clean it up again i think uh, bert did a, a tutorial on that on on fratello um so yeah it's it's very uh yeah cool material for a for a watch and um i wouldn't mind um, um adding a bronze watch at some point yeah, and I, I i also think that uh i mean i've had a number of people who are you know, mildly into watches or not into it all asking, Hey, what is that made of? You know, what is that? And actually the company I work for, we deal a lot with copper, so it's appropriate. And it actually, yeah, people are, people always say, wow, that is super cool. So, and then, yeah, yeah. Oris did a great job on the strap. I mean, you know, the, the straps, they fit to those models and they look, they look really good. It's really good quality. So. Yeah. And they are a neat brand. It's a cool brand, um, nice people uh, at headquarter level, but also here in the Netherlands we uh, we have a, a, a distributor, which Gijs, who is very fun to work with, and um, yeah, I think it's it's nice that you have a brand with sympathetic people. I think that really, uh, um, yeah, adds a, a lot of fun to be in touch with. Uh, Absolutely, with he's a cool guy. So, yeah. Um, one other thing before perhaps we are going to the uh, readers, uh, listeners' uh, topics is that we added another contributor mm. to Fratello. And uh, I think it's a, a good moment to to mention him. I think he's also uh, quite into Oris. It's uh, Ben Hodges, or Benjamin Hodges, but uh, yeah, we can say Ben. Uh, ben is from, uh, from London. He's uh, really a watch guy. He worked for some other titles in the past. Uh, we got in touch. Yeah, it clicked. We had a call, and I also we had also a call with Daniel and with him, and we had a long talk. And um, we said, "Yeah, well, let's 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 go and let's uh, let's get you on board with Fratello." And so he's now part of the team. His his stuff's great. So I think I think readers will be be very very pleased and see that he fits in well with the uh, with the rest of the Fratello crew and. I just have to just have to go back on your comment there. You said uh, you had a call with he and Daniel, and it was a long talk. Yeah, because Daniel That's talks a lot. About to ask. <laughs> so sorry, Daniel. <laughs> but I had I had yeah, to tee that sorry. one up for him. <laughs> but, but not really sorry. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> all right. All right. Yeah. No, it would be nice to have uh, Ben in the in the in the podcast at some point as well. And uh, we try to uh, we will try to rotate a bit. I think Balash uh, would be nice to to have him on the on the podcast as well, and uh, Gerard. Absolutely. Um, yeah, so it would be good to to rotate a bit and uh, with Mike as our uh, our host. So let's move on to a couple questions. Um, so the first yes. one I received via Instagram. Uh, 
And this is from mm-hmm. one of our readers uh, at GW Star 72, who happens to be an Irishman living in America. And um, and born in 72. I, I would guess, I guess, right? I would guess. So um, the question that uh, this person asked us was kind of while he was on his way up to the uh, wind-up event in New York City, which looked like a great event indeed, um, hosted by the Warren and Wound folks. And if you don't know that event, um, it has it features some larger brands, but also a lot of smaller, independent, some would say, micro brands. And, you know, the question he had for us was, um, you know, Mike, RJ, you guys have a lot of big company name watches in your collections, or you talk about a lot of big company watches. Uh, What are your thoughts on these smaller brands? And especially because, you know, there are more and more of them today and some are doing some really unique stuff. So, I think we both have some some real thoughts on this, but RJ, I'll let you kick us off. Well, it's it's true that well, I I have several brands, I have several watches. Um, I think I shared this in the past. Um, I don't feel like I'm a real collector of watches. I collect Speedmasters basically, which automatically leads to the fact that I have yeah quite a number of uh, Omega uh, watches. I also have uh, Rolex and. Uh, um, a lot of uh, Seikos and um, and other big brands. Um, I also had some IWCs in the past, AP and so on. Um, so all real big brands, that's true. But actually one of the first watches that I, I, I got was a, a Chrono Swiss, mm. which is a small niche brand um back in the day it was uh, uh, it was founded by Gerd Lang i think in the in the very far past he worked at Hoyer uh, at uh, uh, restoring watches if i'm not mistaken but i have to dig into my memory a bit and then i he sold it to the Epstein family yeah so i i'm every year we go to Chrono Swiss and and look at their watches and um the watch that i got from them was a is a regulateur i think it's the most classic uh, chrono swiss there is and i have a yeah i have a soft spot for that brand but yeah i just have one i have a, um i think one of the other brands that i really like and 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 that i purchased early on i think in 2008 is a linda Werlin. i bought a three timer and um so that's a, a watch with a gmt function it has an at movement and it was a limited edition of course, because they only do limiteds. Um, and there were only like 22 pieces, if I'm not mistaken, with a brown dial and a brown strap. It was a really neat watch. And I think th- I don't see these brands really as, as micro brands. Uh, they are just like smaller brands. Uh, with micro brands, most of the time I have a, I have a different um, uh, definition for that. I don't know if there's a real official definition. But um, I think one of the micro brands that I also own is a Le Bois oh, & yeah. Co. And that's because it's a, it's a, a brand that w- was, I think, uh, um, founded like 80, 80-something years ago. And then a few years ago, on the 80th anniversary, <laughs> uh, a Dutch guy, uh, Tom van Weilig, he, uh, he bought the, the, the brand name. And he restarted the brand, basically, and uh, or he re- resurrected the brand. And he used Kickstarter at first, and now he's using uh, some other so- sort of uh, funding, like a shareholders program. 
Um, there's another brand that successfully did that, like uh, Dubois, uh, I think yeah. it is, and Tzapek, uh, yeah. for example. And um, but yeah, he's a good he's a good guy. He's really a watch guy, and he really wants to make it a brand. And I think that's where, for me, is is the is. I don't care it's a, if it's a Kickstarter project or if it's a micro brand or whatever you call it. For me, is does uh, does do people who initiate such a project are they really after becoming a brand or are they ju- just doing a one-off project? Because if it's just a one-off project, I am less interested. Because for me, part of the fun when buying a watch, you you also buy the people, you also buy the brand basically and you want to to yeah you buy the story and if there is hardly any story it's just a one-off project to 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 make some money then yeah i'm less interested and of course you can have a great story in one watch that that's also fine to some extent but for me it's also a bit about um can i have the watch surfaced in in uh, x uh, x years from now or um where to go if something is wrong and so on um and I feel that if people are using Kickstarter to fund or to to kickstart their brand, basically, um, yeah, th- then I'm th- then I'm fine with it. Um, but yeah, for example, the the, the Le Bois I was mentioning, they are really trying hard to become an established brand. They want to become a watch brand and not some some hobby project. And I think that's that's what I really um, admire and respect from these type of guys to chase their dream of becoming a watch brand. And that's something I'm really willing to support and, um, yeah, what I, what I like to see, yeah. basically. So uh, I think probably uh, over the last few years, I've, I've reviewed more, uh, let's call it micro brand or startup brand type watches, especially in the sub $1,000 range uh, than than perhaps some other folks who write on our site. And, you know, I'm of the overall opinion that, you know, more choice is a good thing. I mean, first off, I think, I think that's really cool. And I really like the fact that, okay, I know know that a lot of the components come from, for example, uh, China or Southeast Asia, and some people decry that, but Again, you know, you just have to look at 90% of what you're holding in your hand or your iPhone or whatever. Uh, it's less of an issue for yeah. me, to be honest. But, you know, it, when I when I start, first started getting these watches, I was pretty blown away by just the general overall quality of watch that you were getting for the money. And um, as time has gone on, I've become perhaps a little less or a little more jaded, um, partially because... Yeah, you start noticing that some of the cases are a little more slab-sided or very slab-sided. You start seeing the same types of bracelets with just a different name on them. And yeah, you start picking out that this stuff is kind of catalog. But on on the other hand, still, when all is being said, especially because a lot of these watches somehow contain an Etta or a Salita for, and the watch is four or 500 bucks, it does make you question in some ways what some established brands are trying to get away with price wise. And I know that they're paying for, you know, retail, they're paying for advertising and doing all those things. Um, but you know, if you're someone who's just getting into watches or someone who's not sure they offer an interesting value proposition. Now I will say that these brands probably disappear 
faster than than they come uh, come around. Um, I don't have any evidence of that, but I I just can't believe that all of these all of these watch brands last. And therefore, if you have a problem, you're probably looking at having it uh, fixed on your own dime versus you know that warranty still being in effect if these guys are gone. Um, but you know the the other thing I think overall what these independent um, companies have done or these smaller brands have done is that they've given a little bit of notice to the established brands, especially those in the lower tier, because before, and you, and you know this very well, even some lower cost established brands would update their watches once a year. And oftentimes the updates were pretty minimal, kind of lazy. And what these brands have shown is that, yeah, manufacturing today can handle a lot of change, a lot of variation, customization, and that type of thing. And I think, you know, you're starting to see the bigger brands follow suit, which is good. It's good. I think it's it's good for the the hobby. It gets more people involved. Um, so I, I I like them. I do own some independent watches. Um, I, I actually bought a Baltic when they first came out. So the the Chronograph, I thought that was yeah. really really cool. I still yeah. think it's cool. I think it's cool what they're doing. I like what brands like Yamer are doing. Um, I've gone hands-on with um, several Oak and Oscar watches. I think Chase does a fantastic job with these watches. He really puts a lot into them, does a lot of work with the suppliers he chooses. Uh, Monta is another good example. Um, yeah, and, and those are also the typical guys. What I, what I mentioned is that these guys are like really building a brand. They're chasing a dream. They want to establish something. And I think that's uh, that's awesome, and um, I think that also shows in the quality of the watch because they know they have to to keep the people on board for the next project. And um, yeah, you don't want to see the watches back. Basically, you don't want to have um, a lot of complaints um, floating uh, floating around online about your watches or the quality. So yeah, there um, and and you talk yeah. to a lot of these guys, and they were working in you know big jobs and. They finally got the opportunity to do something that they wanted to do, or at least take a risk to do it. And I give them a lot of credit for that. I don't, I've never really had the guts to step out like that. And, but when you speak with them, you realize that they've got good business sense and they're going to do everything they can to try to make it a, a good customer experience. And I think that's, that's cool. And, and by the way, I mean, if they're, if they're successful, um, you certainly get more, uh, communication from them or the ability to speak almost live with one of the founders versus bigger brands. Uh, so there's kind of a sweet spot there that I think is really cool. Um, I, yeah. yeah. I, I, which is, which is also something that you see with the, the, the smaller independent brands, the, the, the independent watchmaking brands, the really niche brands like a Groenefeld or MBNF or Uhrwerk. I think that's also part of the uh, the fun there for a lot of people that um, these watches are, of course, uh, from another world. The, the, the finish on them is amazing and they, they're very high end. Um, but I think part of the fun for a lot of people is also that they can really talk to the to the watchmakers. And most of the time, the watchmakers are the founders and owners of these companies. And I think that's um, that's a big plus for a lot of people because if you buy your Patek, that's super nice, but... Yeah, you're not really in touch with them. Uh, you can send an email, and you can perhaps get a tour through the uh, manufacturer, um, but that but that's about it. And yeah, if you buy an Uhrwerk or MBNF or Groenefeld or 
uh, Futi Leine. Or, uh, I think it's easier to get in touch with the founder and to to yeah to really talk about watches, to share the passion for these watches. And I think that's a, a huge part of the fun. And that, to a certain extent, also goes to the to the smaller brands that that we're mentioning here, like an Oak and Oscar or a Le Bois. You can really reach out to them and talk to them and discuss what you would like to see in the future. And uh, yeah, perhaps they will listen. And with the big brands, you know they will not listen. Yeah. So I so I think bottom line, I mean, whether it's a five hundred dollar watch or a five hundred thousand dollar independent or micro brand, I think you and I are both fans of of when these brands are, are like you said, really passionate and trying to become a business and, and offer something. Yeah. A little, a little bit more different, a little different than, than what is ultimately just a collection of catalog parts. And yeah. Yeah. I think one person who has been very successful, it's not a person anymore. It's a team. It's a oh, mint. Yeah. yeah. I think he did a, a, an amazing job. And I, I think 10 or 11 years ago, he was a contributor for Fratello. Mm-hmm. I think he mentioned to me at some point he wants to do something with designing watches. Well, eventually, so he did. Yeah, I think his watches are amazing, and I think he does like an excellent job. And I know he's very uh, critical um, on things. I guess also on 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 the things he does himself. So um, he really does a does a nice Boy, job. That diver, yeah. that diver they did that I wrote the article on. Um, Hopefully it's not sharing too much, but I, I kind of had an opportunity to get my name on one of those, and uh, I passed it up uh, because of uh, a watch that you and I mentioned earlier that's broken us. But I kind of kicked myself. It was so unique and so cool, um, just a beautifully different watch, and and it's hard to say that um, it's hard to say that about a lot of watches. So. Yeah, well done for yeah. them. And yeah, true. Yeah. So, so to answer the question, <laughs> I think we 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 own our share of um, um, independent watch brands or micro brands, and um, I think if we look around in our team, I think there are quite a few uh, people who own several of these uh, these smaller uh, smaller Herard watch brands. Is probably and the most uh, guilty party, right? Gerard, I think even Bert has a few. Uh, Balash, I don't know. Uh, well, Sky, she has her business in, in independent watch brands, so that doesn't count. But she is really in love with uh, with a lot of these uh, independent uh, Producers, yeah. watchmakers. So yeah, I think we 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 quite like them, and um, I think we we really yeah we need to keep continue to support them with articles. But we also want to stay picky. I think we also want to really. Um, Pick the ones that we yeah we, we really like and that we really uh, uh, support and appreciate for what they're doing. I agree. Because our our mailbox uh, yeah it gets quite uh, spammed with all sorts of Kickstarter projects and uh, Kickstarter almost at some point was a bit of a of a, of a bad word but um, that's not entirely uh, justified because some some really nice projects are still uh, funded through uh, through yeah, Kickstarter. Absolutely. So. GW Star 72. I hope we gave you a bit of an answer there. If not, let us know and we'll we'll try yeah. to come back on it. Oh. Um, yeah, and we'll put some stuff in the in the show notes for this uh, for this podcast. Then I think the the movie kicked off in Macau with uh, <laughs> the, the man with the golden gun. Here we are with a yes. question from Scaramanga 5. 
That's his nickname on uh, on Instagram. His uh, real name is Chris. But not Christopher um, Lee. And I think the real name of Scaramanga was also <laughs> Chris. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> exactly. No, it's a different last name, but for privacy reasons, I will leave that out. So he says, thanks for a great podcast. Uh, he really enjoys it. Um, he has a question, possibly a little naive, he says, but... Um, yeah, I'm not sure about that. I think it's a genuine question and a very valid question. He asks or says, with more and more watch brands and authorized dealers offering direct sales to potential customers through their websites, what are your thoughts on the inability for customers to seek discounts on a purchase? <laughs> That's true. So how I how I interpret it, I, do, I don't see the AD thing really. Um, I, I see the brands. The brands are going more and more direct. I also see ADs offering their watches on their websites or through Chrono24 or similar websites. Most of the time, retailers or authorized dealers who are able to offer certain watches on their websites are restricted to only communicate uh, uh, retail prices. Um, with brands, I think what, what brands want is to offer the watches directly to us to the consumers and to you because yeah it gives them their cut they get full margin um and they don't discount yeah that indeed in the end if all brands will go that way it will become more difficult to get a, a discount how i see things is i don't see the necessity to discount to be honest, I think the only reason someone wants to have a 10 or 20% discount is that they know that their neighbor or friend also got a 10 to 20% discount. I think if everyone just paid the retail price, there would be no discussion. I also feel that it dilutes the brand sometimes a bit. Well, we can say anything we want. I mean, if you want to buy a Zenit watch, and I really like Zenit watches, you can get a fair discount on them. And um, I think that dilutes a bit from the brand. And I think it also will uh, stop people, for example, to buy a Zenit because they think, oh, yeah, that's a brand where you can get so much discount anyway. So what's the, what's the, what's the value uh, of the watch or of, of the brand? And that's where I have difficulties with. Um, so one thing is that that brands really want to have the full full margin, which I can get. Um, I also believe in uh, live and let live. <laughs> so I feel that 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 authorized dealers also have their uh, their uh, their uh, ex- their right to exist and um, make their margin. The issue mainly is with retailers that they they need to have their turnover, so they need to get rid of certain watches that they don't sell well, and so they need to give a bit of discount. I think the reason for that is that brands they they want retailers to to buy a certain collection uh, for the next twelve months. Yeah, it, it, of course. Uh, for example, a lot of a lot of a lot of uh, retailers they want uh, only sports models, for example. But the brands are not okay with that. They feel if you represent our brand, you also need to have Best a representative selection yeah. of our collection. So you also have to have the dress collection and uh, the gold steel stuff and. Um, while retailers know in advance they, they can't sell them properly and uh, they need to discount these watches. Um, I, I don't want to speak of faults, but I think here is also where gray market is being born. <laughs> um, 
yeah, the retailers need to make a, make the, make their turnover. So if they can't move the watches, the brands are not buying back watches. A retailer purchases a collection and he needs to sell it. And what's left, he just needs to, yeah, whatever. But brands don't take it back. I, I, I think that we've become accustomed to getting discounts um, at, a, at a retail store. And so, so it's going to take real time for this to, to set in or to, to ultimately change if it ever changes fully. But, you know, when I think about all kinds of items, like, um, oh, for example, like Mont Blanc pens, uh, Remova luggage, uh, in the past, uh, maybe still Tumi luggage. Um, these are, these are the types of things that never go on sale, you know, like a, like a camera, for example, they never go on sale and, or even your yeah, iPhone, or your iPhone or, or Apple basically, or, yeah. um, I think once a year and, uh, Rolex to me, uh, fits into that that area, you know, I mean, there are quiet discounts, I think, given on gold models or things like that, but, you know, as a rule, they really don't discount. And it is interesting because I look at that brand slightly differently than others. I think, wow, what an incredible brand they've built that they don't have to discount. And I think, but that was different 10 years ago. (sighs) I'll give you a German word. Yein. (laughs) um (laughs) well i i received some discount on my on my sports models in 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 the past i think it's more from recent times that rolex is more strict in that it's funny i mean in the u.s they really wouldn't discount on on uh, sports models some rolex retailers in the past they they discounted uh, for whatever reason and today they don't have to because uh um, the demand is uh so high um but I think, you know, the, the, but, the yeah. U.S. is different, maybe just the, the whole shopping mall concept and everything. I mean, it was basically known forever that if you didn't have your, if you didn't have Rolex uh, in a mall that was maybe not a super high traffic mall, then you were going to be in trouble. And, you know, it was pretty well known that if you were a retailer known for discounting, you were probably at risk for, uh, for losing your Rolex uh, line. And saw it happen at a couple of retailers. So that probably instilled some fear there, but you know, I'm, I'm with you in the end. I don't think a discount is, should be necessary to buy a watch. And um, I mean, at some point, you know, if it is, then you just get silly retail prices that, you know, factor in that a discount's going to be given anyway. Right. So you know what? What is the true worth of a watch? It's a it's a hard question to ask because these are expensive items, honestly. And the difference between eight thousand and six thousand, it's still a lot of money. And it's a lot of money. And of course, you you want to to keep keep that money in your pocket if possible. But I think if all brands would stick to their retail prices, uh, I think this would be a non discussion. And I th- I also believe, but yeah, they are there are a lot of businesses out there that that run on 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 on, on discount on gray market and so on. Um, not to mention authorized certain authorized dealers that also discount uh, quite a bit on certain brands. Um, so it, it it exists. It's it's still there. Um, but for me, it's also a bit about the buying mm. experience. I think buying a watch should be a lot of fun. And I think you want to buy it from 
people that are also passionate about watches. I think you, you want to connect a bit. You want to have a click and for future possible purchases, you want to, like I, like I said earlier, you want to live and let live a bit. Um, so yeah, I, I think you, you need to do what's fair. And of course, a, a retailer can give some discount, uh, but I think it's completely unnecessary to give like 25, 30% discount on, 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 on watches. Um, I think if you see watches with 25, 30% discount being offered, you can wonder, well, what's the value of that watch or of that watch brand, yeah. to be honest. But, I, you know, we talked about buying used as well before the episode, and I, I think that that's a really good thing to do. I mean, there there are a lot of people out there who won't buy used. They just, they're either afraid, they think something's wrong, Um there are plenty of, of good channels to go through to consider that. And as you know, especially in Europe or big cities around the world, there are a lot of nice shops that are up there with a, a boutique selling new watches uh, that sell used watches. And I, that can be a really nice buying experience too. And if it's an established jeweler, uh, they, they'll offer a warranty as well. So that's a good, that's a good opportunity as well. You know, there's nothing like new, I guess, but uh, it's still still a nice way to get a get a a great watch at a discount. Yeah, or a watch that has been discontinued that you sure. always fancied, um, like you did yesterday. Oh, we're not talking about that because that that needs to be my next. Uh, what are you wearing? So oh, we have okay. to keep this a secret. Okay. Yeah. Next podcast, <laughs> <laughs> people will people yes, will be surprised. Will. So. <laughs> Okay, so it's not, yeah, it, it's perhaps not the answer that uh, Scaramanga Five wanted to to hear, um, but yeah, these are our thoughts basically on uh, on yeah seeking discounts. Um, yeah, everyone is free to 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 purchase uh, the, the the way they want to purchase their watch, whether it's a gray market or through an authorized dealer, or getting a lot of discount or a little discount or have a boutique experience where you buy a watch uh, from a brand boutique and have basically no discount, but hopefully having a nice experience, get an invitation for a nice event or uh, get a, an extra strap or whatever. Um, yeah, it's all up to you, basically. I, I believe that um, it's it's your choice. We, we also, I have to say, these days, not anymore that many, but in the past, I got quite some emails from people that asked me about what's the difference between buying gray market and from an authorized uh, dealer, for example. And um, at some point, it got quite difficult to to uh, to to justify um, <laughs> buying for, from certain uh, certain retailers because they also give discount. And um, sometimes the service at these gray market dealers is almost just as good as from from authorized dealers. Um, I think some authorized dealers have been really sleeping in the last uh, 10, 15 years. I think it was too easy for them to make money. And uh, now they're complaining that the internet is killing them. Um, I also see some smart retailers, and I think we can mention him, uh, Alon from acejewelers.com. Um, here's some free advertising for you. But I think he's a good uh, good example of a authorized dealer that really understands the game of online and having a physical uh, shop as well and and giving a really good experience uh, in buying either online or Absolutely. in his shop and he knows his, uh, he, he, yeah. he knows his watches too i mean i've he knows his watches and you're buying from someone that is also passionate about watches and i think for me that's a really a big I've plus sent, let me think one two three 
something like four different people to Alon. It's always a good experience, and yeah, I've bought from him as well. So it's a good example. Yeah, exactly. So you really have to uh, to make up your uh, yeah make your own decision, and I think it's it's also a matter of building a relationship with a certain dealer or boutique, and I think that could could also really help, and uh, it also offers you the the possibility to yeah to come back if there's anything wrong or anything you want to know or doing a next purchase. Um, yeah, um, yeah, absolutely, could help. So okay, and that is a wrap for this uh, episode, isn't it? I think that's a wrap and um, perhaps the podcast is a bit shorter than normal, but um, I thought it was nice to, to have uh, questions, mainly yeah. readers, uh, listeners questions. Yeah. 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 That's nice. So keep them coming. Um, you can send us an email to, uh, to info at fratello.com on Instagram. It's uh, at fratello watches. Just send us an, uh, a DM and uh, we're happy to, uh, yeah, to answer your uh, to all of your all questions. Right. All right, RJ. Well, great talking to you, and we'll be back yep. in the next couple of weeks. Bye.